Hello from Cybrary, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Cybrary Podcast. I'm Will Carlson, Senior Director of Content here at Cybrary, the normal host of the podcast, joining you again from Black Hat USA 2022, co-hosted by our very own Chief Impact Officer, Chloe Miss Doggy. Hello. And joined by security researcher, Tracy Mayleaf. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. I know Chloe has had a little bit of time to prepare some really interesting conversation for us, so we'll dive right in. Chloe, yeah, take it away. let's do it. First, Tracy. Why don't you tell the world a little bit about yourself? And she's also known as InfoSec Sherpa on Twitter. Sure, yes. I am a native of the Philadelphia area, and I have a library and information science degree, a master's degree. And I came into InfoSec from the library science world. I was a law firm librarian for about 15 years or so. Um, and I also worked in academic libraries and corporate libraries. And about six years ago, I decided to up end my life. And <laughs> I knew that I wanted to get into tech, but I didn't know exactly which field exactly. Long story short, I realized that my natural paranoia and distrust of things was a career path <laughs> in cybersecurity. <laughs> and, That's uh, a selling point. And now I'm here, here today. So, uh, But I also really just had a really strong mission. And I don't know how I became so confident in this, but I just knew that my library science skills would be useful in information security, and I was right. <laughs> and I don't know why I was right, but or you know how I knew I was going to be right, uh, but I was. And I, in case in point, I actually gave a, a talk at B sides this week. Uh, it was called "Long Overdue: How to Improve InfoSec Through Library Science." And I broke down different principles of library science and correlated it to information security. And I've done that a couple times now. And there's a lot in common. There, you know, it ju it's just that information security is so young compared to library science, which has been around for a long time. So my whole point is, you know, there is a lot to learn from library science failures and successes to help make us better, since we're really still kind of in our infancy. Uh, I'm not even sure if we're in our tween years yet, maybe. Uh, but uh, I think we're definitely still in our infancy as an industry, and we still have a lot of you know, benchmarks to make. And, and one of the things I was advocating for in my talk is we need to have a standard body to, to delegate over vocabulary. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of vocabulary. In, in my talk, I used thrunting and smishing. Um, you know, in my opinion, those are not necessary words, and all they do is confuse people. And uh, especially if we're talking about end users, you know, if you're throwing words like vishing, smishing, and all those squishing or whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, wh which one of these is not a real vishing <laughs> technique? Um, it just confuses things, and and we want people to be on our side with security, not alienating them. So I really think. I think we need some sort of, of legislative body, for lack of a better term, to really, really kind of, um, you know, codify the vocabulary that we use as an industry, uh, because that is something that is a foundation of library science, and I, I feel strongly that we need that here. Like an information security dictionary, in a sense, a thesaurus for everyone to know, this is the word you should be using, 
And this is broken down that way. And this is what this means. And, yeah. and you know, have a diverse group of people to weigh in on it. And, and yeah, just really have a collaborative body uh, to say, you know, these are the terms that we're using. These are the, are the official terms. I know that InfoSec borrows a lot from the military. And that's fine, but we need to have some sort of specific definition then of how it differs from the military. Uh, so that's something I feel strongly about because I think that'll help end users better understand. I think that'll help all the practitioners to understand. Uh, I know for a fact people job hunting, I believe it's the term threat researcher, I think it is, that uh, also often gets confused with different, or threat hunter, that's what it was. Threat hunter, uh, I get confused with different roles and I, I hear that from a lot of people that, well, this one company calls a threat hunter <laughs> this, but this other company calls it some, you know, a, a threat researcher or something this. It's like, yeah, it's really confusing and it, it's not easy and we're you know, not helping ourselves because we have this high uh, you know, job availability rate in the industry, right? And we're not really helping ourselves if we're making it you know, like an MC Escher <laughs> you know, yeah. painting. That's because really what it, it, what it seems like. And there's so many abbreviations too, and it's overwhelming for someone who's new. It's like, what do you mean by that? So every time someone gives me like, you know, the user abbreviation, I'll be like, can you tell me what your abbreviation is? Even though they're like, are you kidding me? Are you dumb? It's, it's not, it's just, I want to make sure I'm on the same page. And that does happen quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. And and there should never be an attitude of, yeah. of you know, are you dumb? Yeah, because, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, see, I still see MFA and think Master of Fine Arts. <laughs> <laughs> I know it means multi-factor authentication, but I come from a liberal arts background. And Same here, yeah. performance yeah. background. So MFA means a it's, very distinct yeah. thing to me than exactly. it does somebody else. And you, you go to these abbreviation websites, right, and you search this thing up and it's like, I have no idea what this means, and you're presented this list. So many, yeah. And you know, after a while, it's like as a cybersecurity person, well, that's not a. That's not, but there's five of these abbreviations that may or may not be exactly what this particular thing means, just from a cybersecurity context. It's really confusing. Oh, uh, one confusion was actually pretty funny. In a former job, a manager was trying to explain to me something about um, OUI which I'm blanking on what the cybersecurity technical definition was. And he goes, let me Google it. And I, I was listening to him, but I wasn't registering with the letters he was saying. And then a second later, I hear him go, oh, that just means yes in French. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I started laughing. I was like, yeah, because I was a little confused. I was like, I'm like, that's we. But OUI also does have some sort of technical cybersecurity abbreviation. So that I always think of that. And that made me laugh of like, yeah, yeah um, yes, OUI means we. It's French, yes. <laughs> oh, God. So how did you come across information security from your background? Oh, sure. So I declared 2015 the year of my career. And I decided to just dip a toe in the tech world. I went to all kinds of tech meetups. I'm in Philadelphia, so I went to tech meetups. This was the before times when people actually had happy hours and things oh, like that. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> I went to seminars. I went to I went to a Ruby on Rails class, which I walked out of because I thought this was something I never wanted in my life. Uh, but I paid $25 to have the satisfaction of knowing that I didn't want to pursue that, which is also something I tell people of, you know, think of those things as an investment in yourself and don't be afraid, you know, to don't think of it as a failure or a waste of time or money. I spent 20 minutes in this class, I spent $25, 
I was confident leaving that class going, I do not want to ever use this. I don't want to do this. And that helps you to eliminate what you don't like so that you can help find what you do like. Right. Uh, so finally, after a couple months of, you know, dabbling in, in tech stuff, I mean, honestly, I just thought, like, I really don't like these people, to be honest. Um, I don't know if this is just unique to the Philly tech scene, but everybody just wanted the next Facebook. You know, they, yeah. would, they would ask you these vetting questions to basically find out, do you have money or do you have an idea? And that's really all they wanted to talk about. And uh, a family friend who had been in IT for a long time and, and in cybersecurity said to me, like, listen, I'm, I've been watching spinning your wheels. You know, I, I think I want to introduce you to backend stuff and I want to introduce you to cybersecurity. I think you'd be good at it. You know, I, I think, you know, you would be an asset to the, the industry. So basically just kind of went over everything with me and then fast forward to, Black Hat, uh, he was attending Black Hat in 2015 and came across the booth for the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu and took photos of their brochures and texted it to me. So I'm sitting in my office back in Philadelphia getting these texts from Las Vegas and with a note from him saying, I just told this group all about you. You need to take their classes. You need to get involved with them, you know, do it. And about a month later, I was sitting in the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu Cyber Security Fundamentals two-part workshop. And they had me at port scanning. I was like, where has this been all my life? And then from there, cybersecurity became my quirky hobby. I reached out to the CIO of the law firm where I was working at the time and said, hey, what can I do to help with cybersecurity? And I then proactively drafted a, an awareness plan for October. Uh, for Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And then November 1st came around, I asked what else I could do. And he said, well, you can do that again next year. But it was too late. I'd already tasted the blood of cybersecurity <laughs> and I wanted more. Uh, so that's when I started my exit plan. I started my own business, Chirp Intelligence, which I, I knew that I was going to have a gap time period in between uh, the law firm and getting into InfoSec. I, I wasn't naive enough to think that I could just jump and make a lateral move. Uh, so I created this company and I just monopolized on what my skill set was, doing research, doing social media management. I went to an incredible amount of conferences so that I could do freelance work for cybersecurity companies. I took classes, I networked, and it took you know a year and a half uh, and then I got my first job as a SOC analyst for a global company, and the rest is, is history. So it, it took a lot of work and a lot of determination uh, and a lot of grit, but I just, I just knew. I just knew that I, you know, I could help this industry. I knew that I would be happy here, which I am, um, and I just knew that it would take some time. So that's why I, I had that, that sort of backup plan to sustain me. And all the while, I had different, um, you know, mile markers, flags, sort of. Um, you know, if a month went by before I got any, you know, feedback on an application, I would maybe redo my resume or look different places. Uh, but I ultimately, I had this goal of December 31st, 2017, if I didn't, sorry, I had to remember the, <laughs> the time frame here. Um, if I didn't have a viable, job offer by then, my husband and I agreed, okay, we'll look into moving. Because again, remember, this is before COVID. At that time, there really were not a lot of opportunities for remote jobs for entry-level folks. Mm -hmm. 
it's different now, so I want people to recognize that and appreciate it. So I was looking at having to like uproot my life and move somewhere because I, I know that I was seeing all these jobs in other cities than where I lived. Uh, so that was my, you know, my drop dead, you know, flag in the, in <laughs> concrete of, okay, we're going to have to do something drastic. And my husband was on board with that. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, in July, 2017, I started, you know, my sock job. But it's, I always tell people to have those, those flags there. Some can be moved and some shouldn't be. Because otherwise, you know, you're just going to keep going on and on. And yeah. there's no end to it. So, you know, some flags can be moved, but some, yeah, they just need to be poured in concrete. And you need to do something more drastic, like moving, if you have to. So that's, that's my story. It was just pure will and determination <laughs> to insert myself into this industry. And uh, I've been just enjoying it and just doing my best, you know, and still learning ever since. Oh, we're glad that you kept continuing. <laughs> I know it's so hard to get a job in this industry, especially if it's your first time. I mean, I, I lucked out. I went in through marketing and that's how I got in was just getting a role and then I learning about it. I that all the time. Yeah, it's just like to get any job in a cybersecurity yes. company just to get a foot in the door. Yeah, I, I recommend that all the time to people, especially if they're, you know, if they've been at it for, you know, maybe a year and a half and it's starting to get a little bit of a, of a struggle. Like yeah. just get any job in a, in a cybersecurity company. Yeah. And then you can like ask to learn a little bit, get a mentor in the company on the security team and have them start mentoring you. Like yeah. it's... It's the same principle yeah. as real estate. Location, location, location. Yeah. You know, you're, you need to be in it you know, to learn and you need to be in that atmosphere. Um, you know, I tried to take matters into my own hands by inserting myself into the cybersecurity plans of the law firm, but, you know, they let me do one thing and then that was it. So that was initially my, that was plan A actually, was to just stay with the law firm and just change departments. And that, that didn't go over well because there was a lot of politics, there yep. was a lot of drama. There was just a lot of, you know, uncertainty. There was a lot of suspicion of like, well, what do you mean the librarian now wants to move into cybersecurity? But also keep in mind in 2015, a law firm most certainly didn't have a cybersecurity plan. Yes, that sure. is true. Yeah. So, yeah, I was kind of, I guess, ahead of my my thing, you know, time at, at, at that moment. Um, so it's, it's fine. I'm glad that it, it actually didn't work out because then it forced me to get out into the world. And, you know, <laughs> learn, learn other ways to get, you know, to be uh, cybersecurity adjacent. It's, <laughs> it's so interesting to me, right? So, so in being a mentor in this space for a while, how many people from cybersecurity related or tangential roles that don't realize all of the impact that they have on cybersecurity, just using your one example of, of getting into and helping with the awareness program, there are so many mm -hmm. jobs in cybersecurity to be done and it's such a diverse set of skills that we really need to bring to bear to, to really solve this cybersecurity problem. It, it boggles my mind at times talking to people that are IT administrators and, and they'll say, well, I can't sit for my CISSP because I don't have any security training whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait, stop. Do you harden systems? Do you set up network configure? What are all the things you do that are cybersecurity related that are inroads into this field? So I do think, and I always encourage people like, 
if this is where you really want to go, what's the one thing that is your way in and lean into that. And there's almost always a path there if you've got the tenacity to get there, whether it's marketing, whether it's the, the human side of security, the physical side of security, there's just so many skills that we need to have to ultimately get here. So to hear from Tracy, your story about coming in from library sciences and you know all the things that that, that career field involves about cataloging and understanding and the information present and in, it's really an information science in its own right. And and my joke is that I was doing OSINT before I knew it was called OSINT. Yeah. Um, you know, so true true story. You know, I'm I'm early in my journey, and I kept seeing this term OSINT, O-S-I-N-T, and honestly, I thought it was a computer programming language, like COBOL. You know, COBOL is all capitals. So I, I grabbed Joe Gray. I don't know if you know Joe Gray. Um, you know, and I said, what, what does OSINT mean? Now, he knew my background, so he kind of chuckled and said, you, you know what it means. And I said, no, I really don't. Is it a computer programming language? And he was just baffled. And he said, what did you call all that research you did at the law firm? And I'm like, my job? <laughs> like, like, we didn't have a fancy term for it. Um, and so that's when, you know, the light bulb went on. I was like, oh, I already, like, I know this. I already know this. So case in point, my very first InfoSec conference was Besides Philadelphia, where I did a whole talk uh, just about OSINT. And I remember afterwards, uh, somebody came up to me, and I'm, I'm going to say this, you know, tongue in cheek, a hacker type individual, you know, came up to me. And immediately I was kind of scared. I was like, oh, are they going to like tell me I was wrong about something? <laughs> but no, he looked at me and he goes, oh, I never knew that Twitter was a website. I thought it was just an API. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> And, you know, it was those things of like, oh, you know stuff that other people don't. And that's when, like, the pieces started to, to come together. And, and, Will, you mentioned something a second ago that, I, that reminded me of a story I wanted to share. Um, I, I often uh, speak with librarians who either want to also change careers or I help give presentations so that they can have security awareness. Uh, but a couple months ago, a woman chatted up with me. So she was a librarian who made the jump to software engineer and then wanted to reach out to me because she said she sort of felt like pressure to become a cybersecurity person. And I was like, well, what do you mean like pressure? And it was just like kind of like professional, societal pressure, everything. And she just said to me, she said, but I really like being a security engineer. And I said, you can be a security advocate in the role that you're already doing. And that was just something that never even occurred to her. And I said, you know, yeah, like cybersecurity as a full-time profession isn't for everyone. And like, and if you like what you're doing, you don't have to, you know, to change. You already had one major upheaval in your career going from library to software engineer. I said, just be a security-minded software engineer and be an advocate and speak out about security. And she's like, oh, I can do that. I'm like, absolutely you can. And that's just as important. So she felt so relieved and said, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do then. I'm just going to be, you know, an advocate for cybersecurity, but I'm not going to, you know, change my life again. I'm like, that, that's all we ask. That's, <laughs> you know, that's to be so interesting to me, Tracy, because I was just having a conversation today about if we could get out if we had more people like that helping us get out ahead of this development mm -hmm. cycle that yeah. were advocates for cybersecurity early in the process, her. 
how much better off would we all be if we had more secure APIs, more secure software yeah. by design? We, I don't know that everybody needs, in fact, I feel strongly that we don't need yeah. everybody to be a cybersecurity yeah. professional. What we absolutely need is more advocates for cybersecurity holistically, regardless of the function. We so, need more Johnny or Joanne Appleseeds, is what we, we need. Um, and, and yeah, and, and it was funny, I, I mentioned to her that phrase of, you know, security is baked in and not bolted on. And I said, you know, we, we need, you know, you to be more involved in the batter stage, you know, and, uh, and she, you know, she hadn't heard that expression. And again, explaining it that way, she was like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it now. So it just gave me so much joy that I was able to hear the change in her voice from when we started the phone call of just, you could hear the stress and, you know, I'm feeling like everyone's telling me I have to get in cybersecurity to at the very end of, oh, I can be an advocate. You know, I can help, you know, do my, oversee my part and make sure that's secure and encourage other departments and everything. And I'm like, there, you got it. There you yeah. go. If you're developing secure options. code, then you already are in yep. cybersecurity. I'm yeah. In my opinion. Convince me otherwise. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. So you've also... You've also been an advocate talking about current events and the importance mm -hmm. of knowing current events to be able to mm. be successful in your job or even to break into this industry or even to stay ahead of the game in your role and beyond that. Um, and I know that's something you talk about quite a bit. So let's, let's go down that rabbit hole. Sure, sure, absolutely. So this all started with me just using my library skills of, you know, well, I want to get involved in cybersecurity, so I need to learn about it. Uh, so what I actually did was I set up a bunch of, you know, free Google News Alerts. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, free Google News Alerts. Um, and I, I set up a bunch of tech terms and a bunch of cybersecurity terms. And I just kind of monitored myself. And I realized that I was clicking on the cybersecurity terms more. So that's also reinforced to me that I was more interested in cybersecurity. Uh, but Move that ahead to, you know, when I then made cybersecurity my quirky hobby, I would listen to the Defensive Security podcast a lot, where, um, where uh, the two hosts, uh, Jerry and, and Andy, go over the news of the week and then they kind of explain it and things like that. So I started to equate, you know, the, the headlines, you know, the scary headlines <laughs> with background information and explanations. So where I'm going with this is, um, and I do have a great story I'll share in a second, but whether you're beginning your career or you're already advanced in your career, if you are unable to see the headlines in the news, like say Colonial Pipeline, if you're unable to, first of all, understand that in your head, if you're unable to understand what actually happened, then maybe you need to brush up on some skills. But more importantly, you need to be able to explain the headlines to a non-technical person because that non-technical person might be the CFO who stands between you and the money you need for your security program. You know, you can't expect the CFO to understand the jargon or just to be able to read an article about Colonial Pipeline and fully understand it. So I always challenge people, you know, read these articles, read the headlines, read the news, stay on top of it, and go over a mental practice of, can I explain this to someone in a non-technical way mm -hmm. without being condescending, you know, without using jargon, um, so that they understand it and then feel empowered you know, to make decisions. And I said, because it, it could be someone in a C-suite. 
you know, that, and I always use the CFO as an example. Um, and then my funny story about this is, and it's absolutely true, uh, the day that I had my interview uh, for the global pharmaceutical company for the SOC analyst position, it was the same day that WannaCry happened. Oh, oh my God. Now, keep in mind um, <laughs> that because of the time zone difference and everything, um, we didn't know it was called WannaCry yet, okay? We, we didn't have a ton of information. But when I woke up that, that morning and I had the interview and everything in the afternoon, um, I, I just instinctively knew. I was like, I need to fit, you know, read up on whatever I can about what's going on. And then I took it a step further and I thought, if I were me interviewing me today, I would ask me three ways that I would remediate this problem that we still didn't even have a name for yet or fully knew what it was. So I remember practicing on my drive to the, the interview, I'm keeping keep in mind, this was 2017. And, you know, as, as the interview was going on, it was an hour and a half interview. As it was getting closer to an hour and a half, the, the devices and the emails, everything started to buzz a little bit more, started to ding a little bit more. Uh, so the, the most senior person in the room, I could see he was kind of eyeing up, everything starting to, to blow up. And he said, so he's like, so, you know, you know, are you aware that there's some, there seems to be some developing event going on today? Now, keep in mind, this was a UK-based company, and that's where everything was, you know, was happening. And I said, I said yes, I, I, I am aware. And I am not joking. I kid you not. He looked at me and said, great, name, name three ways that, you know, you would remediate <laughs> this. And I thought, oh, I'm good. And I very confidently, I was able to, to say them. And after I said the first one, uh, the interviewers all looked at each other and said, oh, we hadn't thought of that one because I didn't have a technical background. I was looking at it from a more human-centric background, um, you know, which also during that interview, they said to me, we can teach you the tech. We just can't teach someone else all these other skills that you have. So it was just really funny that to see the looks on their faces when I said that first one and they were like, oh, yeah, okay, we need to jump on that because we hadn't considered that. And I honestly can't even remember now if I even said two or three because I think after that they were just like, yeah, okay, like you, I don't remember if they told me I got the job then and there, but it was basically like, okay, yeah, we hadn't thought of this. Um, you did great. Uh, well, <laughs> well we, got, we got some stuff to jump on and do that. So I tell that story, and also as a um, fun fact, I did actually tell that story to Marcus <laughs> himself um, to, let him, to let him know, and he, you know, he, he was very, you know, it was over, um, over Twitter, so, you know, he, he gave me the impression that, it, you know, he thought it was a very favorable <laughs> story. Um, so that he thought it was funny. But anyway, um, I tell that story because I'm not joking. It is very important to be on top of current events, even if you don't know what exactly is happening yet. I just took what information was available at the time. And because I had an interview that day, you know, I connected the dots of, you know, what I thought the threats were, what I thought actions were. And because I wasn't super technical, I was looking at it from my own unique perspective, which was a more human-centric perspective, which, you know, this is why you need a diverse team. This is why you need liberal yeah. arts majors or accountants or, you know, people from all these different backgrounds. Diversity means more, you know, than just someone's, someone's race. It's, you know, diversity of thought. Diversity of thought mm -hmm. solves problems. So this is why DEI is so important because you need all kinds of different 
perspectives because everyone's threat model is different. So you need all these different threat models together to help solve problems. So that's what I contributed as, you know, the liberal arts major with the library science master's degree. I could look at something differently than they did and come up with something they hadn't even thought of. So one of the questions that, you know, we tend to get a lot for people that are trying to stay up to date with current events, where to do that exactly? Some people say, oh, I just keep an eye on Twitter, but on what channels or, um, and also like they'll say, oh, on LinkedIn, or they'll be like, oh, I, I go to this website and I get it all. Where, where, how do you stay up to date on current events? Well, now it's hard to base it on me because I, I've been doing this for such a long time that I do have the ability to look at a lot of stuff very quickly and be able to ingest it because that's what I had to do at the law firm. I had to stay, this is, I mean, I did this for a living at the law firm and actually it's, it's a portion of what I do now in my current position. I am on top of, of stuff. Um, so this is hard for me to answer because I can do this at a very different level than other, than other people. So I find it hard to explain, but I'll do my best. <laughs> um, I do find a lot of value in Google alerts. They're free. You don't even have to have a Gmail. You can send it to any account. But if you do a really good Boolean search query, you can eliminate a lot of junk and really get what you want. Um, another tool I like to use are Twitter lists. Um, again, they're free. You know, you could, because a lot of people have a mix of personal and professional in their timelines, right? Well, Twitter list, you can just go to it on demand and just see all the tweets from just, say, those news organizations. Um, and that's going to be a more concentrated stream of information. Uh, the keywords are helpful because, you know, maybe you don't care about cloud security or cloud, you know, breaches or incidents or for some reason you don't care anything about cloud. Um, so that's fine. So then there are things you can be more targeted about. Um, it also depends on your technical level. You know, something like a threat post might be more technical than, say, Forbes. Yeah. Uh, so... I also tell people, you know, when you're recommending sources for people, consider the audience. If your, you know, CEO is asking you for resources, you know, don't don't give them, you know, the hacker news <laughs> or something. Computer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. computer article. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The, those. It's like yeah, maybe a Forbes or something like that. Um, so I, I, I'm afraid this isn't like a solid answer, but you oh, really no. need to feel it out. You need. You know, if you're having difficulty understanding the articles from one source, then yeah, maybe that source isn't for you. Um, but I also recommend going into very like niche publications, like say if you're interested in biometrics, you know, Biometrics Update is a really good publication. Um, but but mix it up. You know, you want some of the generalists. You know, you you want to be like a hospital. You want to have generalists and you want to have specialists. You know, specialties. So it's good to kind of all mix it up, and you know. Sometimes you might have a favorite author, you know, um, you know, maybe follow them. And especially if they're a freelancer, they're going to write for different publications. So if you read an article and you really liked what that person wrote, then, then follow them on Twitter, follow them on LinkedIn, you know, know who they're writing for. They're going to post their own work. They're going to be promoting themselves. So yeah, just, it's just kind of to your personal taste, but we have so many, you know, fundamental publications in this industry to follow. You know, The Register, Bleeping Computer, Threat Post, uh, Tripwire, there's, there's so many. And you know, Forbes is really growing 
as, as one. Um, what I do recommend against, though, and no disrespect to like local news outlets, uh, but what I have found, and this is actually something I talk about when I do uh, mis, dis, malinformation, is uh, if you if you look at say like a local news source, and they pull a cybersecurity news item from a wire like AP or Reuters, they might edit it for length or for clarity, or sometimes, and I'm not gonna name any names, but sometimes they will put their more fuddy, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, scary headline oh, that yeah. isn't indicative really of the body of the story, you know, so, or clickbait, basically. It's, it's all clickbait yeah. these days. So what I recommend is, you know, just, if you are if you pull up a link to something and it says that it was from AP Wire or, uh, APF, which is uh, Agence Presse France, um, Reuters, stop what you're doing and go to the source. Go go to wh which wire service originally posted it, because honestly, I don't I don't trust some of these reposts that because I, 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 I looked at this. I've compared articles side by side where like whole paragraphs are missing or titles have been completely changed to mean something else, usually something scary. Um, so that's, I definitely, I, I think that the wire services do a really great job uh, of having like a, you know, a neutral perspective with, you know, with good quotes and things like that. So, um, and that's a whole other, I could talk for, you know, an hour <laughs> about mistis and malinformation because that really is also just evaluating resources. As, as well, um, I tell people all the time, you know, if you're unsure of the reputation of a publication, you really can just Google the name of the publication yep. and space word reputation. <laughs> um, another trick I mentioned in a talk yesterday that people didn't seem to know about, again, if you're using, you need to use the Chrome browser, go into Google. Um, if, you do, if you use the Google dork related colon and then a domain, it's going to give you like it says, related companies. So, you know, the example I give is I'm in the Philadelphia area, so I did related colon wawa.com. And, you know, our arch rival sheets is, comes up <laughs> after that. Uh, but it, that's true. That is, you know, related. They are in the same industry. So I tell people all the time, like, yeah, if you like the Hacker News or you like Threat Post, use that related yep. Google dork because then you're going to get, you know, similar results. So, you know, it... I think that people just, you need to try a little bit. It's not going to be handed yeah. to them. That These resources are out there and these things are doable. And I can tell people, you know, this information, but you actually have to do it. Like I can't, you know, spoon feed everything oh, to so everybody. True. <laughs> I, I mean, one thing that I found was very interesting. So I did uh, university in the U.S. and also in the U.K. In the U.S., mm. they give you like, this is the syllabus. These are all the books you need to read. Um, and go in this order kind of thing. In the UK, they give you like, this is a list of books that you should read, but you don't have to, whatever is mm -hmm. interesting for you and what you're trying to study. But they don't want you to just use that list. They want you to go to the source. So every time you read one of those books, you find something interesting, you have to go to that article. You need to go read that research report. You need to read that other book. Mm -hmm. And that's what they want you to do. And it's one of those things that I feel like what you're sharing is, is, it's very similar on that front. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about secondary and tertiary sources. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what that means, there, there's primary, secondary, tertiary sources. I, I go through, you know, what does that mean? What, and what does that look like? Um, you know, thing, things like that. There's a great timeline I found of, if you're trying to follow a breaking news item, 
Like which which order should you look at? Uh, you know, a magazine versus a newspaper versus a website versus this. And if I can do a, a quick shameless plug, I do do a, a newsletter. I was going to say, why are you bringing this up? I was going to be like, uh. So I do do a newsletter. It, I try to do it daily. I call it daily-ish. Um, my, my husband would like me to stop doing the weekend editions. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, but basically, I try to do... You know, I try to do seven days a week, but at, at mo you know, usually Monday through Friday. Uh, and I, I pick, it's infosecsherpa.medium.com. And I do my best to try to find 10 cybersecurity news items that maybe are just under the radar, not, you know, not really things that people are seeing. Um, and I provide, I provide the source and the date, so you'll see just at first glance where this is from and what date it was. Um, and then I provide the link. Uh, I have had people say to me, well, you know, I want you to provide context and all this stuff. And my answer is, this is free. <laughs> this is a free service that I do because I want to help the community. So this is what you're getting. This is what I have time for. You know, pay me yeah, and I'll exactly. do it. Like, yeah. Or you can pay me and I'll give you a special edition. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that, you know, I understand the question, but like I, you know, I have a life as well. I yeah. can't spend all my time on the newsletter. But I try my best to, uh, to look specifically maybe at, you know, more non-U.S. news that doesn't necessarily uh, get covered. Um, one of the biggest compliments I received was someone in Greece said to me, I didn't even know about this incident here in Greece until I read your newsletter. Uh, that it wasn't, it wasn't even being covered in Greece and it was like a major you know, breach or something that happened. So I put that out there. It's free to subscribe. You get these 10 links. Um, I always try to make it fun. I always try to put a photo that corresponds with one of the articles. And I don't know if people know this, but the photo is actually hyperlinked to maybe like, um, uh, like a tourism site. Like I did one recently. It was a story about Morocco. And I had a picture actually from Morocco, which I used from, a, uh, from, from Pixabay, uh, you know, a, a royalty-free source. And then I hyperlinked it to the Visit Morocco site. So there's all kinds of little Easter eggs Ooh. in there. And, then okay. I, and at the bottom, I'm usually, you know, promoting something uh, of mine or someone else's. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's full of information. And I was getting into the habit of doing specialized ones of like Africa ones or Caribbean ones or transportation ones. Um, again, I don't have all the time in the world, so I, I, I've been just trying to blend them all together as the daily one. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I have time again, I'd love to get back into the specific ones, but just basically now I'm just trying on an everyday basis, include Africa, include transportation, you know, include those, those niche areas so that people can see, you know, a, a broad variety of, of news items. Excellent. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast to tell us your story and kind of how you broke into cybersecurity and specifically the, you know, how library science really applies here. Is it interesting as we're wrapping to think through all of the information and the news and the stories that we have in front of us and how library science has been helping us cull, catalog, and, and help us understand what those primary sources are so often, but that we still really have a long way to go in some ways in cybersecurity, but you know, offering some ability for us to do that with all the information that we have today. Um, encourage uh, the audience to reach out, connect with Tracy, follow her on Twitter, subscribe to her newsletter, and yes. get all the amazing intel that she's providing there. 
pointing you towards those primary sources to make your own conclusions about the information and how it pertains to you. Tracy, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Tracy. Chloe, thanks for connecting us with her as well. Happy to. Yeah, great. You can uh, find me on Twitter at InfosecSherpa. My newsletter is infosecsherpa.medium.com. And just uh, go Sixers, go Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tracy, so much. (laughs) Bye-bye. Cybrary, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.